don't you think it's weird that every time and it's more obvious now that these elections are going on across the world But it's so weird if you are opposed to the leftist narrative, the globalist takeover, the new world order, then you're far right. And it's more on display now. Brazil had uh, elections over the weekend. And uh, just a few lines from this AP News article. Brazil's top two presidential candidates will face each other in a runoff vote after neither got enough support to win outright Sunday in an election to decide if the country returns a leftist to the helm of the world's fourth largest democracy or keeps the far-right incumbent in office. Now, see, the candidate from the left is just a leftist. But the candidate from the right, oh, he's far-right. And he's the far-right incumbent. It's like the left just changes the language to suit their agenda. I mean, do you feel, doesn't that make you feel uncomfortable? If they can't win, they change the rules. And if people aren't buying their story, they change the language. Rioters were protesters in 2020. In 2021, protesters were rioters and insurrectionists. And now here in 2022, if you don't agree with the globalist line, you're far right. But we're not as divided as it seems on the screen. The screen wants you to believe we're divided in a dire way, even if you're a conservative and you're watching Fox News. But I think at best, the globalist left has about 30% support of the population. But they control the information. And they do a pretty good job, although they're losing their they're losing their grip. I thought it was pretty con- uh, encouraging, maybe <laughs> maybe naively so. I feel like naivety is it's a warm blanket. Ah, you know, I'm just gonna sit here. <laughs> In my nice soft wool blanket of naivety and trust the plan. You remember that? That was that was the motto of QAnon from back in the day. That's why so many of those believers, I was a skeptical believer for a minute. I want to say I would I I, I watched from the sidelines. I really wanted it to be true. But now most of us use that line as a dig against the movement. Oh, yeah, trust the plan. Trust the plan, right? We'll sit here and trust the plan while they force medical experiments on us and cheat elections and launder money through foreign governments 
Because that's the freaking plan, you idiots. The plan is to keep us pacified. Sitting still, scrolling social media, and not doing a damn thing to threaten their global takeover. It's ingenious. Looks like the markets are up a few percentage points this morning, making rich people richer. So that part of the plan's working great. That's why, I mean, not, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, but that's why I look back now and I think there wasn't just one plan. There's a multitude of plans. Not only is there a multitude of plans, there's a multitude of plan Bs. What do we do if the sheep don't go along with this campaign? What if they don't buy into this deadly virus that kills only 2% of the people that it comes into contact with? Well, then monkeypox. Oh, okay. Well, what if people figure that one out too? Well, then I don't know. That's what it's, I mean, that's where it seems like we're at right now. I think part of it is, oh, we're going to, we're going to calm things down. We're going to ease the inflammation. We're going to let people relax. We're going to distract them with other things like, hey, football season is starting. Maybe turn off the news and turn it over to Monday Night Football. Hey, got to worry yourself with the things like Hurricane Ian. All that's happening. That's happening all the way over there. I really remember what this reminds me of. Obama's speech when the the caravans were coming under the, you know, the the migrant caravans were coming under the Trump administration. He goes, oh, I'm going to worry about those there. They're way over there somewhere. Don't worry about that. Like, oh, yeah, pay no attention. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Everything's going to be fine. Just watch your football. Order your pizza. Take your pills. Just consume and consume and consume and don't stop consuming. How much are you consuming anymore these days? Me, not so much. I mean, I did just come back from a long vacation. Consumed my ass off. Well, not really. We ate lots of food. But, I mean, even that's an exaggeration. We didn't buy much. A shirt here, a trinket there. That's the, the point of inflation, right? The point of inflation and raising interest rates is, no joke, to stop you from spending money. Because there is an abundance of demand. Trump came out of office. We were all feeling great. We were loaded. Fat bank accounts, high wages. 
And we were like, where's that stuff? Give me some stuff. I need a new TV. I need a new truck. I need new stuff. Because we, we live in this culture where you want to have the newest, most crystal clear picture on the biggest display. You got to get the new phone that's got the billion megapixel camera that takes the greatest pictures and does all the cool new whatever. So now we've run out of supply. There's too much. We, we have we have too much money. This was part of the, you know, the the paycheck, pay, <laughs> the paycheck protection program and the CARES Act and all of the programs that came out of the COVID pandemic that they used to excuse all of the money printing that they did. So now we have all of this money flooded into our economic system with all of these people that are feeling great about their economy and their place in life. And they think, Hey, let's buy some toys. And now we have too much money chasing after not enough goods, not enough stuff. So interest rates have to go up. Inflation has to go up. And that's meant to stop us from spending money. And it's working. I mean, it's working for this family. But the people that are making all of the decisions for you and me, it doesn't affect them a bit. Gas is five bucks a gallon. You're meant to drive less. But if you're making 10 million a year, cost of fuel doesn't affect you you don't feel like you need to drive less you don't feel like you need to spend less you don't feel like you shouldn't be buying the extravagant gifts that you're buying for yourself and you certainly don't feel like you shouldn't be contributing to the political campaigns of the people that you're being urged to contribute to And so then the globalist leadership will turn to those people and say, hey, I emailed you a few sentences that I'd like you to post online. If you post those online, I'll give you $10,000. I see it all the time. I'm most annoyed by the conservativebrief.com. I actually, I like their website going to pull them up see what they got for headlines nsa staffer busted after handing over top secret info is the top headline i read through that a little bit it seems interesting it also seems like maybe a contrived story meant to create a little faith in the fbi when we should have none no faith for the fbi no confidence don't you dare but conservativebrief.com likes to pay political pundits like Dinesh D'Souza, Jenna Ellis, George Stephanopoulos. You may know their names. You may not. I follow them on social media. And every day, 
legit every day. I see these guys and they post the clickbait, the, the clickbait tweets. Oh, this is huge. This is big. And of course, you can only read half the head. So I'll come across in my Twitter feed. Let's, and we'll use that last headline as the example. And all that I'm able to see in the post, the Twitter post, is something like NSA busted or NSA, NSA staffer busted after. Oh, what, 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 what? I must know. I must click. And I mean, that's why it's annoying for me because I'm like, ah, I know when I get there, it's not going to be that cool. But of course, I don't care that they pay somebody, you know, a grand or two grand or however. I mean, it can't be that much, right? Like conservative brief is not one of the big boys. But the conservatives aren't, you know, they're not the ones in charge. They're not the ones raking in the big bucks. I mean, I'm sure they're doing just fine. But who's in charge right now? Who are the starting five? Who's the first string? Who's varsity? Not the cons. Which we should call them. By the way. We've got all the cute nicknames for the left. Own the libs. Stupid dems. The left has nothing like that for conservatives because... Uh, the left has no imagination. I mean, it's it's not that they don't have imagination, but the thing about comedy and especially about memes, and I've heard this, I'm I'm repeating this from somewhere else that I've I've heard of it. But when you hear that the left can't meme, all oh, they say the left can't meme, they're just terrible. It's not funny. It's it's really cringy. Like whenever anybody on the left tries to meme anybody on the right. They say it's because memes and comedy in general are rooted in truth. Since the left generally doesn't stand for anything tangibly true, their memes fall flat and their comedy doesn't exist. I mean, who's a great leftist comic? Who's, who's really a great leftist globalist comic? Or a comic that shills for the left. I'll wait. I really can't think of anybody. If you can, please send me an email. It's therealearthfox at protonmail.com. I'd love to know. I'd love to believe that there's at least some equity in that department. Even though I think it's equity that's killing the left. It's the disingenuous craving for equity that makes it so that they can't joke about anything. We can't have any fun. Speaking of equity, yes, I'm sure you heard Kamala Harris came out and said, uh, only people of color should get aid from, from uh, you know, response to Hurricane Ian. And, and, and then what happens? So predictable. The left goes, that's not what she said, guys. That's not what she meant. Come on now. And the right says, can you believe what this racist said? 
Isn't that an interesting cultural twist? Not that I didn't see it coming and not that you didn't see it coming. We should have all seen it coming. It's blatantly obvious how racist the left is and has been. They just had us fooled. One of the greatest gifts we've been given from the last 10 years is the broad exposure to a number of eyes and ears. How disingenuous, how dishonest, and how misleading and deceptive all of mainstream media has become or was and has always been depending on where you come down on it. I can assume, I mean, I, I don't have any problem assuming that it's been nothing but lies and deceit forever. You go back and listen to my interview with Bill Sizemore, and that's kind of the impression that he gives you. He runs for governor in 1998, and he is completely trashed by fake news. On a local level. And you can go back through history. And see what. Partisan hackery existed in. Publications. In in some of the first publications that ever existed. I would actually encourage you to go back and look. And you don't have to go back to the 1800s. But they talk about the fog of war. And man, I should really. The clock is ticking. I could do I could do an hour. <laughs> Maybe I should. An hour every day, though. God, that's ambitious. But you could go back and and, and read publications during wartime. Because, you know, they talk about the fog of war and they say, oh, the information coming out like you can't. I just learned last week about all the efforts that were undertaken to make our conflicts in Af- in Afghanistan and Iraq seem like it was that was all a bloodless war. It was the term that the that the journalist used. And they had all these rules about journalists that came over to do actual w- war reporting. Couldn't turn your camera on unless you asked for permission. And then you couldn't turn your camera off unless you asked for permission. Which seems, I mean, that does seem uh, uh, arbitrary. Because, yeah, you could turn your camera on, turn your camera off, and just edit whatever you want to edit. But then you find out, so this this guy tells the story of uh, how he went into these areas, he went into these war-torn areas as a journalist, and he had this whole page of rules that he followed, and he broke all of those rules. And he put together an actual story of the death and destruction and chaos, depravity, destruction, that was going on in these war zones. And when he went to major news networks they were all excited 
They couldn't wait to report the truth to the American people. This was going to be awesome. They were going to break this big story and expose all of this corruption and and suppression of information that was going on by the the United States government in, in this attempt to fool the people. And then 18 days before the story was about to break, they killed it. And then people got fired. So he took it to another network. Rinse and repeat. People got fired. The story never came out. And here we are in in wartime once again. And we have the story about the pipeline. Ah, yes, the pipeline. Up until a few days ago, you know, obviously I've been waiting. I've been delaying. I've been rambling and, and not getting to the pipeline. But it's mysterious. I could predict things. But you can predict things, too. There's only a few possible outcomes. And even the idea that Russia bombed their own pipeline. So just real quick, we've got Nord Stream 1 and Nord Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipelines running natural gas from Russia to Germany and then distributed for Europe through the EU. Both of these pipelines were bombed, essentially. That's the story coming out now. Could it be Russia that bombed it? Well, it's not as silly as you might think. What are the other options? Ukraine, United States, both possible. Now, it could have been bombed by Russia in sort of a false flag operation. Russia bombs its own pipeline and makes it look like it was America or Ukraine to justify escalation. That's not something that is foreign to us. That's not a foreign concept. But up until just a couple of days ago, I didn't hear anybody suggest that it could have been a Ukrainian operation to blow up these pipelines. And maybe they don't have the tech, maybe they don't have the personnel, but we know they're being heavily aided by NATO, right? So why would no one in this military industrial complex media suggest that you, I mean, when, when, when nobody for days and days suggests that maybe Ukraine could have been responsible for blowing up the pipeline, it makes me think that that's probably the most likely answer, right? Russia was getting rich selling their energy to the Western world. So why wouldn't Russia's enemy step in and cut off that supply line? It would accomplish so much. It would stop the cash flow Maybe not altogether, but it would stop some cash flow into Russia. It would put pressure on the European allies to get more involved. 
And it would ultimately escalate the war, which is what I think the globalist elite leadership wants to accomplish. And Ukraine and now seemingly the United States are both puppets of the globalist new world order. So when it comes to the Nord Stream pipelines, I'm inclined to believe it was likely Ukraine with the aid of the United States. But we may not know for another 20 years. Because I don't think the media would want to report the truth to this generation. They got a memory hole that. They got to pile lie on top of lie on top of lie and then say, okay, but here's what really happened. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Welcome to you new subscribers. I appreciate you. Please share the show. Follow me on social media and send me an email. The real earthbox at protonmail.com. I'll be back. Goodbye.